0: After two years of being completely virtual, Becker's Healthcare is happy to share that our 12th annual meeting is back in person. Join us for one of our most robust events of the year, happening April 25th through April 28th at the Hyatt Regency in Chicago, Illinois. To find out if you're able to join us at this event free of charge, email us at registration at beckershealthcare.com. View the conference agenda and learn more about the show by checking out our conference pages at BeckersHospitalReview.com.
1: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with one of the most brilliant physicians who turned himself into a leader in the IT area as well. We get a chance today to visit with Dr. Andrew Rosenberg. Dr. Rosenberg is, I think, a cardiologist by background and now is the chief information officer at the University of Michigan Hospitals at Michigan Medicine. He's going to talk to us today about what he's seeing about UM Health, about where he's most focused, the big impacts of AI, artificial intelligence, and what he's seeing in healthcare, and a lot more. Dr. Rosenberg, can you take a moment, tell us a bit about yourself and about University of Michigan Health, Michigan Medicine, and, and then we'll go from there.
0: Sure. Well, it's great to be here as always, and I'm looking forward to when we can all be also meeting in person at some of the Becker's um, meetings. Well, a- as you mentioned, I-, I am a physician and a uh, educator by background. I'm actually a cardiac anesthesiologist and critical care doctor who, um, mostly because of the research I was doing around uh, predictions and critical care, got involved in creating and implementing electronic healthcare care records a little bit earlier than what the, the country did nationally, but then I got involved in our, our large implementation projects and EHR projects and a lot of our data and data warehousing work, and ultimately that led me to create the job of the chief medical information officer, and then uh, through that to become the CIO to join a variety of our very large IT groups in the health area and our medical school into a more collective academic medical center IT organization. That's uh, That was the long and convoluted path to get where we're going.
1: So, so simply magnificent. I've had a chance to get to know you well over the last several years. You're an incredibly giving person, incredibly bright person. You're also an incredibly enthusiastic person. And, and so I love hearing what's on your mind and what you're thinking about. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible quality. And you're, you're also you know passionate about including others. So I, I love watching you and how you operate and what you do. A, a, a fantastic role model for so many people. What are you most excited about as we head into 2022? What are the big priorities? What, what's on your plate? What are you watching that you're excited about?
0: Sure. Well, let me break it up into two areas. Um, and thanks for saying those things, but you know the reality is, people have asked me about you know why I've become a CIO, and I say, I know it might seem a little bit odd. Uh, given my original background that I mentioned. But at the core of what I did before, there was always the team. And U of M has a wonderful phrase from one of its great coaches, Bo Shemba, called, the team, the team, the team. And frankly, I had a lot of that um, ethos, if you will, before even coming here to the University of Michigan. So uh, I think all of your listeners know IT uh, information services is clearly one of those great team sports. and. And it just comes naturally. Um, so, w- what's on my mind? Two things. The first would be those things that we're all dealing with right now, and we're by no means unique or different at Michigan Medicine. So, I would say the the number one things are still how do we support through our services uh, all things remote work and some of the urgent uh, near crises issues related to uh, COVID. And Uh, I almost hesitate to bring these up because I think we're all dealing with that, but I would say within that area, how do we use the way IT people think and work? Because we've been in many ways working with elements of remote for a long time, but now remote and collaboration coming together. Uh, How do we do it for ourselves in such a way that we also learn and are better exemplars for how we then support it into a variety of areas of our business. And just a few quick examples. We have been embracing a lot of automation within IT service management. For us, we happen to use ServiceNow, but other platforms that are large and scalable like that in order to not only work more efficiently with our services our service desk our incident management our request management our inventory management even our contract management but then how do we use those capabilities to bring in more people who would ordinarily not know about it so it's that classic uh, eat your own dog food or or um Experiment on yourselves first, but with a very clear and deliberate plan to roll those capabilities out further. Uh, I think when we consider some of the new methods of communication and collaboration, whether it's with um, our many of us move to Office 365, but how do we use channel communication, for example? How do we um, uh, increase the efficiency of? sharing information um, in these new methods, both within ourselves. Many of, I think, your listeners were probably early adopters of Slack or other types of channel communication and started moving away from email. But our organizations are still very much stuck in, send me a manual PowerPoint in an email, and I'll get back to you in a few days. And, of course, we can do that much more differently. By the way, that's true in the clinical side with – unified communications and moving away from pagers and phones to using a variety of, when I say phones, I actually mean our hardwired desktop phones, not our mobile devices. So that's one area within, I would still categorize it as we're all working around those kinds of themes together. But where I'm really getting interested, uh, I'll just pick three. There's so many, but I'll just pick three to keep focus. The first would be, a very comprehensive and more assertive move to be using cloud-based services. And I was a little wordy there because it's not just cloud first and it's not not just moving to the cloud. We're all fairly deeply um, using cloud services, but I'm talking about a much more comprehensive planning and implementation of cloud services. and that includes private cloud. That includes hybrid IT, where we're still running some cl- uh, workloads clearly within our own data centers if we do still run data centers because of either cost or or um, complexity of integration. But right now, I think many of us are still adopting a variety of cloud services, catch-as-catch-can based on a replacement. And I'm very interested, and we're about to start it, 12-week deep engagement with Deloitte to really um, inventory and map all of our applications, much of our data and our services to the variety of infrastructure and uh, capabilities we have, many of which are actually cloud-based, and do that very comprehensively. The second one I would categorize is how do we implement more edge computing uh, iot sensors uh, remote patient monitoring tools for new types of delivery of care uh, and new types of academic work um, methods to do clinical trials cohort dry lab simulation type discovery in very different ways than what we've done before Uh, and I see the equivalence, and I talk about academic medical centers because that's what I work in and what my passion is. But when you think about some of the discussions at true hospital care at home, I think there's some similarities to that with also where we do remote or hybrid or flipped classroom type education along the spectrum of a numerous number of learners. Um, And I think that's similar to when we think about uh, our research, whether it's clinical or basic science, and how we are moving from traditional big wet lab research to a variety of different types. So uh, it involves IoT, it involves edge computing, it involves ubiquitous cloud, uh, whatever wonderful new term you want to use, and it's going to involve spectrum, 5G, Wi Fi 6, and where those will marry together to provide those services. And then my final point- Dr. Osborne, give some... me
1: one point on that though. Before, give me one point on, give me a definition of edge computing for someone who's not a CIO, for someone who's not in the computer, You know that, that's not our world.
0: Sure. Oh, um, let me take two that just literally come top of mind of potentially dozens. The first would be much more sophisticated sensors that will be on a patient at their home that allow us to have better predictive tools, which means the sensor itself, has to be able to do some degree of data processing and its connection almost almost for sure to cloud-based, uh, even deeper types of computing, so that that device on that patient remotely from what would be typically in our ecosystem can do new things that we're not doing right now. Uh, Uh, monitoring an enormous number of physiologic variables and environmental variables and motion and sensing, things like that, so that the data that then comes back to those people monitoring it is that much more enriched to make predictions and actions. And, And the real example is right now, one reason we don't send people home sooner from the ED, from the hospital, from the ICUs, from Recovery from surgeries is—we're afraid. We're conservative, as you would want us to be. We don't want to make a mistake and have someone have an untoward event outside of the environments that we've created over decades to provide a variety of different care paradigms. Well, in order to try to do more of that in different locations—the home, step-down centers, ambulatory centers—we're going to have to have devices that are able to collect and process data uh, much more comprehensively than they do now. Like, take a Fitbit right now and, and, and expand it a thousand fold to be able to do much more. It's going to have to do a lot of that computing within the body of the device and its connection to cloud-based services. That's what I mean by uh, computing at the edge.
1: No, thank you very, very much. And so now you had one more thing you were going to talk about, whether it's – tell me the third trend or the third issue that you're watching closely. Right. Thank you.
0: Yeah, the third one is almost so basic, and I'll call it transactional, but to me it's fundamental. And I I would – there's so many different ways to describe it, but I I would describe it as how do we integrate our cybersecurity and information assurance and identity – assurance into our numerous workloads, our our numerous work, so that it's not an afterthought. And I say that because of the just fundamental and existential threats that increasingly these cyber-related issues, not just ransomware, but that's the one that's probably top of mind for me, but even um, data exfiltration and loss of integrity of data or um, reputation, whatever it is, breaches, however many of these terms you wanna put into it, how do we bake those processes into our work so it's not an afterthought? And one example I think we've all started to see over the last five, eight years is the, well, five years is the uh, more deep introduction of multi-factor authentication into many of our workflows. That's just one example, but I know there are gonna be many more when we look at uh, entity and user behavior analytics, not just hardening networks, not just hardening devices, because the threats seem to be only multiplying and getting more sophisticated. So we can't just keep thinking of cybersecurity and information uh, identity and access management as separate capabilities. We have to bake them into how we do our work uh, from the get-go.
1: Thank you very very much. So we've talked about sort of automation, different ways we'll get the cloud, multi-channel ways of working. You might think about some of the things you're talking about all the time, whether you're talking, you're emailing, you're texting, you're working through some other type of process of communicating with people, uh, edge computing, um, and then cybersecurity and whether it gets baked into everything and how ex- how big a threat it is. We've also talked about automation and remote work. What is it when you, like Dr. Rosenberg, how much of your time is composed with sort of what you think of as blocking and tackling versus looking at new AI applications, new things that would automate things? How does a CIO balance their time today between working on strategy with leadership? What does an institution have to be better at? How How does the CIO's time get allocated? And is it different for every single CIO, I take it?
0: Yeah, I was going to say the latter. I think, you know, they're not these hard, fast rules. And in fact, where I found myself getting probably a little bit personally frustrated is I'll try to adopt an approach that I hear someone else is doing that I really like. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't for just highly personal reasons. So to your question, you know, uh, I would start by saying, on one hand, it's extremely individual. But on the other hand, I think there's some commonalities, and really maybe, you know, you like like you know me, I I love to try to bring up things just to really stimulate discussion. I would say uh 70, 20, and 10. 70% of our work is still very much operations, routine operations, keeping the lights on, keeping the trains running. And I think when people talk about wanting to be strategic or being strategic, at the end of the day, even now. The CIO job is still very much an operator's job, but we have to carve out time for uh, growing and, you know, I, lo- I, I actually still like the, the basic framework from Gartner of run, grow, and transform, and that's where I was putting my 70, 20, and 10. Some people will be much more strategic, and what I'm, what I'm seeing, and I think this has been an interesting Uh, Ongoing discussion is that is that discussion of the CIO versus the chief innovative officer or now I'm trying to see some positions that are chief digital officers where they're incorporating um, tactical and operational it into that role and then, of course, there's the role of the chief technology officer. So I think all of those roles and where you see them being um, implemented in different ways, are still getting to that point you made where at the end of the day, it's somewhat still uh, specific to the organization, its goals, its culture, and the individuals. But I would say most of my colleagues and definitely myself, as much as I want to be thinking about and planning for some of the cool new things that I mentioned before, at the end of the day, I'm still mostly spending my time on running a lot of legacy, networking, telephony, paging, and healthcare. My God.
1: But, but your point, though, is, is at the end of the day, you, you use this framework, this Gardner framework, which I'd not heard exactly before, but brilliant, the run, grow, transform. At the end of the day, most people in most organizations still have to run things they just have to make sure things actually get done and get run and they do great, that cybersecurity is taken care of, the things are taken care of and constantly getting better at the blocking, tapping the running things. And there's almost nothing worse in an organization that someone thinks that they all they have to do is think about transformative ideas. You know, I mean, and there's a, there's a spot for that, of course, and there's obviously these crazy innovators whether the Steve jobs or the, you know, or the Elon Musk or whoever they might be. But, but at the end of the day, the run part of the job, the blocking and tackling, I mean, there's nothing I like worse in an organization than someone who doesn't want to do their core job, take care of the core job. Right. And so I think your yeah. point though, at the end of the day, there's all these cool things going on and there really are. And there might be somebody who's an innovation officer and their job really is just to think about transformation all the time and try and transform all the time. But but most of us, even if you're a chief digital officer, it's not trying to do the newest, newest thing all the time. It's are trying to apply technology that's there and and, and evolving and growing to what you're doing to, to make it better but but a lot of it at the end of the day the work comes down to run then grow and transform i think just a, a fascinating perspective let me ask you another question the um you had mentioned early on in the discussion Bo Schembechler mm-hmm. Bo Schembechler yeah. and and i guess the more recent question is uh Jim Harbaugh much maligned <laughs> but but really a great record. Where do you come out on Jim Harbaugh? Where's your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh? What about Woody versus Bo? Oh,
0: my God. You know, uh, I played football in, in high school, and I think I set an all-time record for catching zero passes as a starting wide receiver on varsity football, which gives you an idea of both how well I played and how good our team was. Uh, look, uh, religion and football are one and the same for Big Ten uh, universities, especially uh places like M- University of Michigan. So me uh I think it's remarkable that a university of the caliber of the University of Michigan with all of its academic and and other excellence can still field a team that makes it to the final four in football and in basketball. So uh Uh, whether Jim Harbaugh was expected to get us to a championship in his first or second or third or fourth year or whether we got to where we are this year and to what extent it's Jim Harbaugh versus his coaching staff versus the team and we know it's the overall team I, I think there's something to be said for the individual but reality is I think you have to look at the overall group and uh I generally don't ascribe that much importance to one individual, even though I know diehard fans do. So, um, you know, I think the thing speaks for itself and what happened this past year is obviously pretty important for Jim Harbaugh, but for the program itself, how was that for a political answer to a sports emotional question?
1: No, I think that's well, well handled. You know, it's 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 so funny. I I will, you know, to go through the old glory days of sports. I have a similar story. I played ice hockey my whole life, and I scored so few goals that I remember every single goal I scored. And that's not because that's not because I scored five hundred. It's because I scored a handful over many many years of organized hockey, which is just a very sad statement to my athletic ability. But I I, I absolutely love Dr. Rosenberg. The, the Jim Harbaugh thing is a fascinating thing. People love him, people hate him. He's had this great record wherever he's gone, but he just is so disliked by some people that are not fans of wherever, if they're not of the the school he's with. He's a fascinating person. And then the um, you know, the glory years of Ohio State, Michigan, the the both Shembuck or Woody Hayes years were just a magnificent thing to behold, and the, really the burgeoning of that rivalry. But but you're right, we're we're in the Midwest. The Big Ten is um. You know, it's not the SEC, but it's but it but it is very, very big here and, and great fun. And I, I do love the Michigan basketball coach, which is a different comment, and it's hard for me to do that as somebody went to a rival school. Dr. Rosenberg, it is always you're always so giving your time. I know I had you talk to one of our kids who's pre-med and she loved having a chance to visit with you. You're always just a magnificent leader in person, and we are thankful. Thankful for thank you for joining us in the Beckers Healthcare podcast. Always a pleasure want to talk to you more next time about AI and some other issues as well. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much.